0: The Apollo Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's preview edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am one of your hosts, Chris McGeehee. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B McGeehee. Here with me. Today is my wonderful co-host, a guy who knows a lot about college football, a guy that you guys should definitely follow on Twitter at ApolloDes1. It is Mister Apollo Des himself. Des, what's going on, man? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, bro. How are you, man? It's another day and it is another day where we prepare for this weekend of college football, man. Uh, Before we do it though, can I just real quick, I want to apologize to our listeners for the way that I sounded last week because your boy knows he sounded like absolute shit. And I apologize guys. I was, I was so sick. I felt like I was on my deathbed, but I'm back and ready to rock baby. And it is about college football this weekend, but Des, I look, man, we, we've got some games we've got to get to, but before we get there, there's a couple of other things we got to talk about first. We got to get to some news. Are you cool with that?
1: Yeah, let's hit on the news, bro.
0: All right, so, uh, guys, look, I, I know you think that we're biased towards our particular schools, but uh, Des, we got to start with your school, man. We got to start with the change made at UT, switching from Hudson Card. To the it's not not established, but I guess the veteran quarterback in the mix, and that going into effect with this week's upcoming game. How you feeling about it, man?
1: Yeah, I mean it's Rice. They're they Texas is playing Rice. It's a it's a get well game. It's a tune up game. Um, the quarterback change happened. I, I kind of predicted it. They I, I thought they would go to it. You you 100% predicted
0: it. You called it on the review pod that we did that went out on Monday, and you were dead on because that news dropped all of, like, what, 12 hours later?
1: Yeah, I believe it was was
0: 12 12 hours later.
1: But it made made sense just being a a fan of the program and and a fan of college football that the redshirt freshman was on the road, um, played bad, looked like he had happy feet back there. He didn't know kind of what to do. The the guy that he lost or lost out to the the redshirt freshman. He's done his time. He sat three years behind Sam Ellinger, um, who is you know arguably one of the best to to do it there. Past Colton and Vince, and uh, oh Desmond, he came in.
0: I, I, I hate to cut you off here, but I just realized that we've both actually forgotten to mention his name. And uh, just for the record, guys, we are talking about junior quarterback. Casey Thompson. That is the man coming in for freshman quarterback Hudson card. Uh, Des, you, you know, you called it, it's a get right game, but let me ask you this. What are you actually looking for this weekend from Thompson and from the team, you know, as a whole, uh, other than just blowing out a team that they should blow out?
1: Yeah. I like to see the RPOs, the, the, the Sarkeesian offense. Last week we saw, And if you're a Texas fan, it felt like Tom Herman was the head coach last week and not Steve Sarkeesian because it just seemed like he was going to run his plays and his plays only made zero adjustments to the game or game flow. And it was stubborn and hard headed. And then after the game, Sarkeesian fell on his sword and and, and admitted to it. And we never saw that with Herman or Charlie Strong. Um, It was it was refreshing in, in the sour taste of a loss that the head coach was like, hey, I didn't properly put the guys in right position or a game plan for them to win and that falls on me and uh, I just want to see their game plan i want to see the RPOs I'm gonna see Casey do his thing I I expect nothing nothing sexy I mean I, I think he'll get probably three quarters of the game maybe only half and it'll be Hudson Card in there just because it should be a blowout but seeing the offense being run I could see an efficient day from Casey being 20 of 25 for about 250 two touchdowns and add another 75 to hundred on the ground uh, just because he has a dual threat capability. So um, all in all, it's a get right game, get the offense going Get the offensive line going and, and then go from there.
0: Let me ask you this just as a, as a quick hitter uh, real quick, what constitutes a successful day on the defensive side of the squad for you? Is it, is it the number of points that they can hold Rice to? Do you want to see the run defense short up the most? What, what are you looking for there?
1: Yeah, it's kind of twofold because we we see it in the sense of where's all the 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 sacks, where's all the tackles for a loss, and I think a lot of teams blueprint Texas where it's a one-two get rid of it, it's a it's a one-read type thing, and, and so the guys aren't getting home, and you're not seeing a lot of sack totals, just because the teams have schemed away from that because the defensive line uh, does have the weapons. So I think for the Rice game itself um keeping them under 10 points would be great um a couple turnovers and, and just being fundamentally sound no no dumb decisions and d- dumb penalties uh don't get ejected for a targeting call you know with with tech looming the following week um because at the end of the day it's rice and texas should cover the spread of 26 and beat rice
0: all right there we go We're wrapping it up nice and neat like you mentioned. Texas is a 26 point favorite and that game will be taking place at seven o'clock on Saturday night at DKR. All right, Des, we got to move on, man, because there's some other big news. We got to get away from Texas here real quick. And we got to go out to the West coast where some other news took place this week. And we've got to talk about USC deciding to make a coaching change, which stop me. If you've heard this one before you called on the last pod that we did now, admittedly, you did think that there was a chance that he could make it through the season and the brass at USC decided that they weren't going to wait that long to pull the trigger. So we've got rumors surrounding urban Meyer, James Franklin, Bill O'Brien. Where do you want to start here?
1: Yeah, I think just the, the job of USC, right? You have, Um, the mighty Trojans, you have the, even to this day, 15 years later, you still have the Reggie Bush and Matt Liner, Pete Carroll talks, you know, almost a dynasty, you know, they they destroyed in the early two thousands rode that up. And then it's been turmoil ever since. And I think there's a underlying factor between Texas and USC that they're blue bloods that are trying to get back to that status. And, doesn't matter who they bring in as a head coach, something is wrong with the culture and, and, and the roots. It, it, it just seems like anyone that goes in there fails. Uh, Helton was on the hot seat two years ago, and I'm still surprised he wasn't canned then. And um, last year hung around, and then this year, when when I just saw the loss to, to Stanford the way it was at home in the Coliseum, I was like, there's no way this guy survives. And I thought it would have been done at the end of the year. And then after seeing it actually be done and him being fired – It makes sense because now USC is the job that will be the first one in the coaching carousel, right? Everyone's in an interview there. Everyone is going to be. Everyone wants that USC job. It's a prestigious job. You have the opportunity to turn around uh, a blue blood back to being that blue blood status. And so I think it starts there, and then the the canvassing of coaches, right? We've heard Bill O'Brien. We've heard Bellamy from the offensive coordinator from the Chiefs. We've heard um, Urban Meyer, who's I won probably one foot out the door at Jacksonville as well. And today, James Franklin talking about mutual interests. In an interview, like, he didn't even deflect or say, you know, any coach speak. He would just agree that there was mutual interest. I may bet the farm on Auburn because if the next three days, all the Penn State f- players here that are coaches about to bolt, against to go across country to USC, and then their biggest, probably one of the biggest games of the year, against Auburn at home, yeah. Uh that's not going to, that's not going to bode well at all.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, looking at the USC program, let's assume I look me personally, I don't think that urban Meyer will be quote unquote available. I mean, he's only in year one. I think he's got to at least give it two years in Jacksonville. Okay. But uh, James Franklin as you mentioned, current head coach at Penn State. You've got Eric Bieniemy, the current offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you think is the best fit for that USC squad, uh, for the players, for the program, for just the USC brand? Not, not that you, you understand what I'm saying. The brand itself yeah. is not important, but you need a coach that is – a USC coach who are you looking at man
1: so it's kind of twofold in the sense that I think now with NIL coming into the realm of things what better sell is to hey to the kid to the parents come be the face of LA come rub shoulders with the Hollywood elite come hang out with Snoop Dogg come And be the guy at USC to bring it back. I think that's the sales pitch, right? That's the thing that I think can garner a ton of energy, momentum, and interest in doing that. The person I think that could do that the best, I do think is Urban Meyer. I think really. I think he he's capable of doing that, but I just I don't know if he'll if he'll bolt. Like you said, I it's it's one job, it's a dream job to be an NFL. Head coach. Yep. And your one weekend. Yes, you got destroyed. Um. Yes, yes, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, but it's been said before by coaches in the NFL. I, there's no chance I'm going. You could look back at Saban and he goes, "I'm." There's yep. no chance I'm going to be the Alabama head coach. What did what happened? He was the Alabama head coach.
0: It was the first example I thought of as a scorned LSU fan. Look, man. so
1: as a as a who can lead this USC blue blood, we'll just call them an organization. It's got to be someone that I think can sell that product. And I think there's one name that does it. And I don't think they can get them away, but we talked to him about last week, Mario Cristobal. Ah. He recruits like no other. It, and it may be, it may be, Uncle Phil Knight's dirty money from Nike that's getting these recruits, but that dirty money is in South LA as well.
0: And it I ain't think, dirty no more.
1: Yeah, not dirty anymore. You can clean it now, right in front of everyone. I think he would be very deadly as a head coach recruiting in Southern California
0: with given, the, brand given the resources of USC. that USC has. Correct. Okay. Correct. And
1: I heard other names. You heard Matt Campbell, you heard Luke Fickle, you heard PJ Fleck, yep. Shiano, Peterson and Stoops. I just, I just think Mario, uh, what he's doing in Oregon is something you could weaponize and, and build back that brand quicker.
0: I, I think it depends on the way that USC wants to play this personally. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and discount urban Meyer strictly because we've seen that every job that he's had, I, you know, it it doesn't take too, too long and the man's gone. I mean, we saw it, you know, we saw it at Florida. We saw it at Ohio state. There's a chance we might see it again here at Jacksonville. And I understand that coaches change jobs. It's part of the industry, but I would be so scared as a USC fan. I mean, I think about it. I, we, you know, I, I literally just mentioned it. Urban has had two of the best jobs in college football, and still dipped out on both of them. If if I'm, you know, the USC AD, how can I not be petrified that he's going to do the same thing to me in like two and a half years? And here I am again. So, for me, you know, if you want to go the the quote unquote safe route with upside, then you're looking at Mario Cristobal, like you mentioned, and then safe safe route with maybe potential upside, but who quite knows? Is James Franklin would be the other name on that list, right? We've seen both of those coaches, Cristobal and Franklin, be able to build and sustain a winning culture at at other schools that are not in you know in in the crux of you know L A. Um, the the one that. I would have absolutely no. It would be, you'd be swinging for the fences with the potential to strike out, and that's Eric Bieniemy. You know, we mm-hmm. we've seen we've seen what he does with Mahomes, but there's always the question of how much of it is enemy, how much of it is Mahomes. We have Andy Reid talking up Bieniemy, but until you get him in the door, there's no way to know for sure. And you know, it, it's one of those. It, you, if you take the swing, I mean, he could he could be one of the best college coaches. Ever. We don't know, but I, I personally, I would go Christopher Franklin and B enemy would be my third choice amongst all of the coaches that we name. I really, I wouldn't want Bill O'Brien. We've seen what he has done, you know, his track record. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, i voice voiced my concerns with urban and every name that you mentioned, they have red flags attached to them. But with those top three guys, I think those red flags are a little bit less. So you know, I, honestly i i want them to make the right choice because i think college football is more fun when the big schools are prominent within you know within the actual landscape of what is happening this season and not just as a name does
1: i think the biggest thing and you nailed it is just that name and brand just seems to engulf uh coaches we saw it with Sark. With Sarkisian, we saw it with um, Lane Kiffin. We have now yep. seen it with Clay Helton. Like, it can
0: be overwhelming.
1: It can, and and if you're not on your on your toes and and ready to accept that job, um, you can get eaten alive. And we've seen it, and we saw it. We seen it at Texas. And now we've seen it again at USC. All
0: right, Des, we've hit on I think our news for the week. So. Uh, When we come back, guys, we are going to get to the games. There are still games to be played this weekend, so are you ready to talk about those, bud? Of course. All right, man. Guys, we will be back here in just one moment. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris McGeehy, still here with my partner, Mr. Apollo Dez, and Dez, it is time to talk about the games, man. And i th- i think we I think we kind of have to start with Alabama visiting Florida. I mean, we in in the first segment there, we talked about both Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, even though you know weren't talking about Alabama, we weren't talking about Jacksonville. Those names still managed to come up, and now we've got Saban's current school going against Urban Meyer's former school. That game is at two thirty. Uh, the SEC on CBS game. And on paper, you got number one versus number 11. Um, I think once they step on the field, though, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that it's going to be that close. I, I mean, Florida has not won a game against Alabama since the 20, or the, I'm sorry, the 2008 SEC championship when Urban was still there. Since then, Florida has had, Technically, four head coaches all go against Saban and Alabama: Will Muschamp, DJ Durkin, Jim McElwain, uh, and, and Dan Mullen. And none of them have beaten Alabama yet. And I don't see that changing this weekend. Do you? I don't. I I I think
1: that this potentially could be a a rematch down the road if if Florida could upset Georgia. Um, later on but it's it's got to be a time for dan mullen to to get this w against alabama and i don't think it's capable this year but the more he spends his time there the more he kind of gets grouped in those coaches that you just mentioned mentioned of never beating saban and never being able to get over this hump that is alabama you have i think it'll be close early on obviously the the swamp will be rocking florida's going to be you know I think they'll be drunk by tomorrow if we're going to be completely honest, yep. getting ready for this game. And I think you have to get to Bryce Young early. That's the only chance you have is to start hitting Bryce early and often and make him start seeing Ghost. Um, get him that, that little happy feat, but I just, I don't think they'll get to him. I, I just don't think they will. And I, I look, think Florida wants a, sh- a shootout. I don't think they want to grind this game out. I think florida just wants to um just go Uh, but they're not they're not built for that either because emory jones he has two touchdowns on the year four interceptions q yards 56.3 not great but i i think if you want to beat alabama's you may want to get in a shootout
0: well look i Here's the thing, you you touched on I me, mean, you you hit the nail on the head for lack of a better cliche here. They they want to shootout. If you're gonna beat Alabama, we've seen that that's the way to do it. Nobody grinds it out and wins against Alabama. You know, when I, I'm thinking about um, you know, Johnny Manziel, when he was at AM, it was a shootout against Bama. When when LSU won against him a couple of years ago on their way to the national championship, it was a shootout. It when Clemson plays them. It's a shootout. It you're not gonna slow it down over the course of four straight quarters and walk away with a win against a saving team. I don't think. But here's the problem: you talked about Emory Jones. He hasn't exactly been super impressive this year. Uh, it looks like you know quarterback Anthony Richardson from Florida is he's definitely more of the dual threat quarterback he's got 11 carries for 275 yards across two games but here's the problem coming out of the game against South Florida he's dealing with a hammy issue so now yeah. you've got Jeez. you've got one quarterback who hasn't been super impressive throwing the ball you've got one quarterback on a bad leg I mean Alabama the line opened here at 15 and a half points and it now the line has moved and here's Alabama unfortunately you know the lines dropped they're only a 14 and a half point favorite now so
1: some money has come in on on florida here to maybe maybe cover the spread a
0: bit that's interesting that's an interesting data point but it's also it's also worth taking a look to i think at their opponents in alabama that both teams are 2-0 alabama we saw the the season opening win 44-13 over miami then they follow it up with The week two win over Mercer, I mean, that one doesn't even need to be discussed, but they did what they needed to do. 48-14, dispatched them easily. Florida, they've played FAU and USF. 35-14 over FAU, 42-20 over USF. I mean, these were convincing wins, but have they shown anything on the field that makes you think that they're capable of beating Alabama?
1: Yeah, I I mean – you you don't have the you get you don't get given the benefit of the doubt unless you beat Alabama. And they ha- never have uh, with this with these teams and and these players. So I think the the first two wins. I mean, I, and you're two and zero. You're two and zero, right? Yep. And they put up a lot of points. Um, it's just different when Alabama's five stars are running around the field and hitting you. It's it's just it's different when Nick Saban's across the, uh, across the, across the field with the headset on and, and all that. I just, they're not, I'm not saying they're not prepared for this game, but the first two games don't really tune you up for an Alabama.
0: You know, so I was, um, I was having lunch with my pops the other day and, uh, look, obviously it's been stated numerous times on this podcast as an LSU fan. I hate Nick Saban. Okay. Um, I I do. I, if it was up to me, Alabama would lose every game, but I got to talking to my dad while we were having lunch the other day and, there are other teams in the country that just on a on a per talent basis, they match up, you know, if not as well as Alabama. I mean, they're they're right there, right? I want to know what the hell Saban is doing that is just so much better than any coach out there. And I know we'll never learn this, obviously, but we've seen coaches come from his tree who have had that insight into exactly how Saban likes to prepare, how he teaches his guys, everything like that. And, you know, we're talking Kirby Smart, we're talking Jimbo Fisher, and those guys can go on and have success against everybody else in the country. But when it comes time to play Saban and Alabama, everybody gets their asses kicked. And honestly, Des, I just want to know what he does. I want to know what makes Saban so special because resources aside, when you go out there on that field, I mean, we've seen teams with with high profile recruits stumble to bad losses. And it just doesn't happen with this saving team. And man, ever. Ever, ever, ever. I mean, we we saw we saw the the turnover field game against Ole Miss several years ago. But I mean, outside of that, you know, you, you look at their loss to LSU a couple of years ago and you can say even then, well, Tua was hurt. You know, I, who knows if he's healthy and obviously, you know, if ands or buts, but I'm, you, when they walk into a game, you better be prepared and God, it just, it sucks. But it, after two weeks, it's almost feeling like a foregone conclusion with Alabama again at the end of the season, man.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I, and I ask you this, I mean, I, I think we've both done our time watching a ton of football but wouldn't this make sense for the year to, if you're going to upset Alabama, this would be the year? You have a, a sophomore at quarterback, we starting for the first time ever. Um, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, graduate, leaves the draft. Obviously, they have a ton of weapons. You know, they just replace it. Uh, you're at home. Mullen's being paid out of his butt. Like this, this is the year to do it if you're going to do it. Because I feel like once you get a couple of years in the uh, the blueprint of, of what Saban does and with his quarterbacks and all his turnover with his coaches, he has this perfect blueprint. But yep. if you're ever going to do it, it's got to be, you know, the sophomore on his third career start.
0: I mean, you laid out all of the things that would apply to any mortal team. I mean, if, if this was anybody other than Alabama, I would say, you know what? Florida should probably be favored because everything is in their favor except for the fact that it's Alabama. Yeah. All right, man. Look, I this pains me. I, we've spent way too much time on Alabama. We've got to move on. Yeah. We, we've Stay got good. another game. I want to jump to a 630 game that's going to be taking place on ABC. And, you know, at some point, our, our listeners are probably going to think that – we are homers towards the SEC, uh, you know, or in your case, sometime between now and 2025, we'll be a homer towards the SEC. But we got to talk about number 22, Auburn, traveling to Penn State. We touched a little bit on this game in the first segment when we were talking about James Franklin, but Auburn has scored a million points this season. This will be the first real team that they've played this season, and we get to finally find out. Is Auburn for real? And as of right now, Penn State is being listed as a six-point favorite at home. So it comes down to you know, based off of what you've seen so far, how do you think this game shakes out?
1: So my question is, one is it are they are they doing the whiteout? Is the whiteout in the, in the crowd? Do we know that yet?
0: Honestly, haven't seen. Okay, but because the, that's one of the coolest things. Ever. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. I love the whiteout, but let me ask you this, is the whiteout something that you do against like an Auburn team or is that something that you save for, you know, like maybe an Ohio state team in a few weeks?
1: I think it's just one of the things you gotta, you gotta get the, get the team in front of you. Um, I think Auburn's going to win and you, I know Auburn, Auburn's going to win. I think Auburn's going to win. I know they put up a hundred 22 points in two games. They haven't played anyone. Penn State beat Wisconsin to start off the year on the road, big win. I think this USC Franklin debacle is really gonna mess with the team. I've been in locker rooms where coaches are. You know, is he gonna be here next year? Is he not? They're kids. They're they're kids at the end of the day. They're 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 gonna see what's happening in social media, and to see your head coach not even say no. I'm I'm sticking with um with my guys with my team not even any of that that's worrisome for me and Auburn's already putting up a ton of points on on top of that they're coming in with the SEC speed and size and all that jazz yes you SEC folks like to say um it looks like Bo Nix has maybe figured it out I don't know uh but Nix versus Clifford's gonna be really good um battle at the quarterback position Noah Kane is a guy that I want at University of Texas Penn State beating them head heads up for, for his, for his signature and Dotson's a a great receiver as well for Penn state. Uh, They have three weapons offensively. I just, I think Auburn's just going to be like, Hey, let's run. And if you catch up and you can stay with us, that's great. But if not, we're just going to keep putting points up. And so um, it's, it's one of my favorite games of the year. I think this game right here.
0: All right. Well, you know, I, so I, I looked this up while you were talking and you actually might be right about the whiteout because after this game, their two biggest games left this season are Iowa and Ohio State, and both of those are going to be on the road. They're traveling okay. to Kinnick Stadium on October 9th, and then they've got to turn around and travel to Columbus to square off with Ohio State on October the 30th. Um, and you know, I, I want to jump back here real quick to you, you talked about Clifford, you talked about Kane, you talked about Jahan Dotson and That's actually why I'm picking Penn State is because those three guys right there, God, I love that trio. Yeah, it's
1: it's a three-headed monster for sure.
0: Oh, 100%. And I just think that they're going to have answers for this Auburn defense that just maybe isn't used to the speed of the season. I mean, obviously Auburn plays – an SEC slate every single year, but, you know, we talked about Penn state coming out, you know, against Wisconsin and, you know, Auburn wanting to run, but here's the thing. I mean, Auburn has played Alabama state and they've played Akron are their players, especially on defense acclimated to the actual speed of, of this current iteration of the season. And if, if Penn state can come out at home and jump out to an early lead, I think Auburn might be in trouble, man. I, I, I personally don't have a dog in this fight, but I think Penn State is able to pull it out. Personally,
1: yeah, I think you nailed it with the the trio that that Penn State is going to have offensively. Um, the one thing that kind of I'm also interested to see, and it's a it's Harson's first game on the road. That's that's big in his tenure as being the Auburn head coach. Yeah, he's two and zero. The boosters love him. The city loves him. The players love him, but. They also, they also love everyone else that have came through but could never win these big games. And then it yep. quickly, the media turns on you. The, the, the message boards, you know, turn on you. So it's Brian Harson's like, almost um, interview. Right. Uh, he already has a job. But for for the message boards people, for all the fans, for the media, this is, this is his, his interview as the head coach. So and he's, he's always been an offensive guru. We know that yep. everywhere he's gone. Uh, he's had the offense clicking.
0: And if I, if he's curious about what that hate feels like, just have him call Gus Malzahn, honestly. Oh yeah. Because Malzon went through it. <laughs> it seemed Multiple like every, every and, other game. And he won. Oh, yeah. And I he mean, won. Dude won a ton of games. And it seems like every other game, his name was back on the hot seat. But, <laughs> you know, with Penn State, as much as I like them, as much as I do think they can win – we cannot ignore the james franklin thing and you talked about the mutual interest i mean imagine if there's a hot single female on the market my guy and somebody asks you about it and you're standing there in front of your wife and i'm interested like, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think there's mutual interest between yeah. us oh my god like what you is going how, on do you know how much trouble you're going to be in with your current partner yeah. And it'll be interesting to see those repercussions. Now here's the thing: either two things happen. Number one, this team absolutely falls apart. Or number two, the players band together in spite of James Franklin. And I think it'll be interesting to see which way that happens to shake out. All yeah, right, I,
1: I, I think I think you know that perfectly.
0: All right. We've got one more big game that we want to jump to here in just a second. Uh, And then, Des, I think we should probably look at this week, maybe some of the more interesting games, even if they're not necessarily billed as, as heavyweights. So, guys, we are going to do that right on the other side of this. Guys, welcome back one more time to this week's week three preview edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am one of your hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. My co-host, Mr. Apollo Dez, is here with me. You can find follow him on Twitter at Des one you, you guys should also follow the socials themselves at Road to Glory Pod and Apollo Media at Apollo H-O-U. Des listen man we've we've gone over the news of the week we have talked about a couple of the heavyweight games on the slate but i think it's time that we actually get to maybe some of the most fun games of the weekend and i want to start with Arizona State BYU i mean so this game is taking place at 9:15 central time. So, you know, it's not even kicking off till 10:15 if you're on the East Coast. This is Pack 12 after dark baby. And we're looking at number 19 versus number 23 and for as much success, quote-unquote, that Arizona State has had so far this season because, you know, how can you really quantify it yet? Here's the thing. They've never played these 30-year-old grown men at BYU like you've talked about over the last couple of weeks. And these teams don't know each other. They never, ever play. The game is in Provo. Arizona State's a three and a half point favorite, but ESPN's Football Power Index actually lists BYU currently as the favorite. Oh, wow. I don't really know what to make of this game, man. I it, it truly feels like it could go either way, and th- there's absolutely no analysis in what I'm about to say. But God, I am ready to watch this game, dude. This is this is what hopefully like the Pac-12 after dark will be on Saturday. So
1: I will be in Phoenix for this weekend. Obviously, they're playing in Provo, but to be there, I'm, I'm assuming Arizona State's going to be jacked up and the, the bars will be filled watching this game. We talked about it last week, where things happen at night in Provo. If this happens again this week, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a BYU fan if, if I call <laughs> it back-to-back weeks. But I, I think the, the biggest thing is that you have Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Who I thought was going to be a complete bust and hasn't. He's coached these boys. He's he's made promises to these parents that he's gonna, he's going to turn these these boys into fine young gentlemen. Um, they recruit well. They they're stacked about two or three recruiting classes in a row that have been very good. They've come into Texas. They they pluck some kids away um, from some really good teams here, and they're just vibing. And I think I think last week, honestly, the the Utah game. I, I guarantee you Herm Edwards has that game playing everywhere at Arizona state. Um, they're not going to be surprised by BYU being 30 years old and, and being grown men on the football field. Um, I think Herm Edwards is going to have the boys um, locked and loaded and ready to go. And I think it's going to be a close game. I do. I do think Arizona state is going to win, uh, but I think it's going to be last possession. Whoever has the ball. And I just think Arizona state's going to have the ball last and, and win. Um but I think it's going to be a damn good game, especially for it being pack after dark.
0: I know that this is, uh, (laughs) this is very, God, I hate using the word cliche, but there's not another word for it. It, There's, it seems just so rabbit hole to say that this game for Arizona state, it really seems like it's going to come down to junior quarterback, Jaden Daniels. I mean, here's the thing. So, Before this season, right, I looked into this. His career before this season, he's a 60% career completion rate, okay? Not great. Definitely not Drew Brees' levels. Except this season, on an admittedly small sample size, Jaden Daniels does look like Drew Brees now. He's completing 73% of his passes. It's a huge jump from where he's been before. And I want to know if that is going to continue against a good team. I mean, Arizona State's two wins are so far against Southern Utah and UNLV, not exactly powerhouses. And we know that BYU is going to bring the physicality and Daniels. I mean, he's, he's throwing the ball a little bit, but he's also a dual threat quarterback. He's got 165 games on the ground between the first two games. And that's on just 19 carries. I mean, dude is toting the rock. It's just a matter of whether or not he can do that same thing over and over against a team who's going to be looking to stop that and not get hurt. I,
1: Yeah, I think there'll be a good game plan for him. Um, And I think that's what Herm is, has done well. He puts his guys in the position to succeed. And I don't think it's to be any different on Saturday night. I, I don't, but – The team they're playing is is no joke, and and I it's going to be popping. It's going to be – I think it will be more packed than it was last week. It'll probably be louder than it was last week. BYU does have some momentum, but I just think this is a a case for Arizona State to build their resume, and going into Provo and beating a top 25 team in that manner would look good at the end of the season because they have UCLA – remaining they have usc remaining there's still a lot of left on this table and schedule for arizona state but if they want to take that step and and play for that that pack championship game they have to they have to win tomorrow and and i'm just saying just to start building their resume up if they have aspirations to be in the playoff which all teams do
0: all right man so i've got one more thing here it's extremely serious before we move on to uh, the rest of the game is on our slate, but I have to ask this. And in all sincerity, if BYU wins this weekend, um, they've they've already beaten Arizona this season. If they beat Arizona State this weekend, does Utah now officially own the state of Arizona?
1: Like, I I think by is the is that the way it works. Yeah, I think there's a treaty in like the early 1800s that that says that that's true.
0: But but Arizona can win it back. Next season. Yeah, Correct. That, that, yeah. that's a, how they get their it's independence a very loose treaty. Yeah. Okay. All right, Des, we've got to move on, man. We have some other games on the slate that I think are going to be fun. And here's the thing. I love a good rivalry game. Right. And that's what we've got coming up, uh, on, on Saturday. It, it i'm a little disappointed to be honest with you that it's an 11 o'clock central game um i know obviously for you that'll be like 9 (laughs) a.m or something like that uh i mean i'm sure you will probably be like seven beers deep at that point but we get we get virginia tech west virginia on saturday at a time when virginia tech is now nationally ranked again west virginia a I mean, they're 1-1, one and one, but they're a three-point favorite in this game. It really it does look like it could go either way, and I love when these two teams go out there on the field not knowing which one of them is actually going to win. Let me ask you this. Is this going to be a good game, or is this going to be a shit show that becomes a good game?
1: I think it's going to be so ugly. You're just like, I love I kind of it. like it. Yeah. I think it's it. 11, 11 a.m. start. West Virginia is a favorite at home. Over ranked 15 in the country for Virginia Tech. I think it's just going to be ugly. I think it's be one of those games where like it's seven to six at halftime, like, and then it kind of opens up a bit in the second half, but we get a final
0: I, score of 1917. Yeah. Man. It's
1: it'd be just be ugly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah I, I think it has a recipe for that. I, I really do.
0: All right, man. It, on these, we're not going to go too deep on them. I, I'm not really asking you for any kind of analysis here, but what I need to know is ultimately who do you think is going to win? We we have to put these on the record, yeah. so that you know the following pod one of us can claim bragging rights for the week. Okay.
1: I love being contrarian, and I love finding value when I can. So I'll probably take Virginia Tech money
0: line. Virginia Tech money line. Yeah,
1: if I'm oh. going to take, I'm going to take them to win. I'm going to take them to win.
0: That, that's fair. The three okay. points.
1: I mean, I I don't know it off the top of my head, and I, I can look it up, but um, uh, I I just think the value is there. If you're going to take this game, and it's going to be ugly just go all in on the money line because the 3 points aren't really gonna you know not really going to do, do a whole
0: lot for you. But,
1: okay. Yeah, they're plus 125, so I think there's value there in
0: that. All right. You're calling Virginia Tech and oh, man, if this were first take, I think I would have to dig my heels in on West Virginia, but I kind of like this Virginia Tech team and so I think I'm going to agree with you. I know that You know, we generally only agree on so far the ones that have been basically down the middle. But I I do think that that the Hokies can can go in there and knock the Mountaineers off. And, uh, you know, I I think Morgantown's going to be a little disappointed on on Saturday, but hopefully it's a good game. All right, let's move on to the next one on the slate. We're looking at Oklahoma State and Boise, my guy. And these are two teams that you don't ever think about in the same sentence, but at the same time, this definitely seems like it could be a fun game. What do you got for me on this one? How you feeling?
1: Yeah i I think I think Oklahoma State's fraudulent, Ooh, um, in the sense spicy. of in the sense of yes, they have Sanders. I know what he's capable of doing, but now he's alone. He doesn't have Wallace. He doesn't have Chubba. Uh, he doesn't have these weapons around him that made him to be Spencer standard. And i last week against Tulsa, um, I saw the game. It was just so boring to watch Oklahoma state do what they did. And they just let Tulsa hang around and, and they, they got bailed out late and they won, but I don't know. I think Boise is going to handle them.
0: I wow. really do. I'm – and I hate to say it, I'm right there with you. I mean, you look at, at Oklahoma State so far this season, right, they're 2-0, and but that's a very weak 2-0. and I mean, yes. they had a, a seven-point win against Missouri State, and then they followed up with a five-point win against Tulsa. And, honestly, I'm not 100% convinced that Tulsa should even be allowed to remain in their current conference, if we're being honest. Well, and- even
1: in that game, the last Tulsa – um, and the only reason why I knew I know this is because I had the over, and I needed a I needed to be bailed out miracle, and I got it. Tulsa, um, in the fourth quarter, I think it was under two minutes. They, they it was like third and seven. Florida, I mean, excuse me, Oklahoma State just used all their timeouts, and they ran like an end around keeper. The quarterback went for a house call, touchdown scores to go up. If he would have just fell at the five yard line, they could have ran the clock out, kicked a field goal, and, and won in regulation. Instead. It was one of those scenarios, he went down, he scored, and it gave Oklahoma State enough time to go down the field and and outright win the game. And so, even then, if 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 he was just thinking through all of that, and as a competitor, you want touchdowns and all that, but if he just sort of slid at the five, Oklahoma State's one-on-one one right now.
0: Look, I mean, I, I don't want to compare apples to necessarily other apples here, but Uh, Tulsa's getting Ohio State this weekend, okay, and Ohio State is a 24-and-a-half point favorite. I I mean, Oklahoma State, just based off of what they've done so far this season, just does not inspire a lot of confidence going into this game. So I think you're right. I think Boise State wins. They had a tough loss against UCF, but then they come back with – an ultra convincing win against UTEP. I mean, it was it was their get right game, like we talked about earlier. And uh I, I think they've put themselves in a position to be ready for Oklahoma State this weekend. And Boise State's currently listed as the three and a half point favorite. I honestly I think they I think they cover.
1: Yeah. Right. And yeah. I don't
0: I don't think it's particularly close if we're being honest. Yeah. All right, man. Last game on the slate that we've got to talk about, and that is uh, it, it's a Southern battle here. We've got Mississippi State versus Memphis. And that game is at 3 o'clock Central on ESPN 2. And the matchup predictor on this one, according to ESPN, I mean, it's it's split as down the middle as you could possibly get. It's, it's basically 50-50. And Mississippi State comes in as a three-point favorite in Memphis – um, Des, are, are you, you pick it the over under here is 64. Here's what I was I about to know. say. I, I was
1: about to ask, what what was uh, the over under
0: I, over under 64? Are you, are you banging the over or are you a little concerned here? So there's, there's
1: some hit like there's history here on this one. And it's, I'm going to bet the over just because of the history and not so much the, the, the data of this year's game, me and my buddy, um, Dylan Blaha, shout out Dill. We were just out of college. We were, you know, finally making a little bit of money. Um, and we bet one year every single over for Memphis. And that was here they had they had Paxton Lynch. They were oh, just yeah. putting up all the points, and the books never never caught on to like the end of the year. But the entire year we were just we were bet Memphis overs. And we were just we just call ourselves the Memphis Boys. This year with with Mr. Mr. Leach in the air raid. And all the points that he could put up as an offense, and then the nostalgia of how many overs I've bet in my lifetime uh, for Memphis. I am hammering the over, and it's not even based on data or stats, it's just nostalgia 100% nostalgia.
0: Hey, completely understood. Now, here we, you know, we, we touch on what these teams have done so far this season and Mississippi State. Look, they come out week one. They escape Louisiana Tech. There's there's no other adjective that you can use. They squeak by Sweet. Louisiana Tech, 35-34, and then they bounce back the next week. They play NC State, and, you know, a little bit more convincing. It's 24-10. Meanwhile, on the other side, Memphis comes out to start the season and just absolutely demolishes Nichols, 42-17, and you're thinking, okay, this Memphis team, you know, uh, obviously kind of an inferior opponent, but – you know Memphis looks like they are prepared and ready to do business, and then they go into a game last weekend against Arkansas State. Uh, it's a road game for Memphis, but it's a 55-50 shootout. I mean, these two teams alone have the recipe for nail biters and heart stoppers. You put them in the same game together, and it's almost a guarantee. I mean, Dude, Memphis, I I don't know if you understand this, but Memphis is averaging almost 650 offensive yards a game, dude. Oh, my gosh. Like, but they're they're giving up 500.
1: And you know Leach goes quick. So if there's a three and out, it's going back the other way. And if they're they're going for 600 yards, you know they're going quick. Oh, 100%.
0: almost a perfect storm. Look, they're they're going for almost six fifty, but on the other hand, against Nichols and Arkansas State, they are averaging giving up five hundred yards a game, dude. And if you oh. think that if you think that Leach isn't going to take advantage of that, I mean, honestly, this is going to be a I think a super fun game. I'm disappointed that it's at three o'clock in the afternoon when I'm gonna to want to nap, but I, dude, I mean, <laughs> if you're I, not, it's, it's a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm to. To see all the points. Absolutely. And it'll be, you know, you're going to, it's going to have to compete with Alabama, Florida. And I know that's where most eyes will be, but I think there's a good chance I'm going to have this on the second screen and I'm going to bang the over on it, dude. I'm going to shout out, shout out you and Dill because it's time to bang the over on Memphis, honestly. If they're going to keep putting up stats like this every game, you know, with a combined 1,100 yards of offense both ways. Every game, give me the overs, dude.
1: I'm in. I'm totally in. He All sold right. Me. Des, sold that, me on it.
0: man, look, that is, that's thats going to do it for us, buddy. We've got – I know the schedule didn't look great, but after talking through it, I think we've got some good games this weekend. And, um, sure. you know, of course, we're going to be back on Monday morning for everybody to recap the games that we see this weekend. So, I want you guys to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, uh you can follow – my co-host Des on Twitter at Apollo Des Des. Dez, what is that you tell the people? Is it is it smash the subscribe button, then unsubscribe, and then lightly tap the subscribe button again? Or uh, you know, is there a particular way that you want them to do it?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's good. Just right, like subscribe, so- unsubscribe, resubscribe, and uh, leave a five star review.
0: All right, man. Uh, You guys can also follow the socials. Uh, The podcast here is at Road to Glory Pod. That is hosted by the great Apollo Media. Uh, You can follow Apollo Media at Apollo H-O-U. And if you guys want, if you want to throw your boy a bone because he's a sad Twitter fella who ain't got no followers, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehee. Um, if you don't trust me, I completely understand my content is horrible. Uh, Des, look, man, this has been fun and uh, and enjoy your uh, your bachelor party weekend in Phoenix this weekend. Um, I don't understand why it would be in Phoenix because, Uh, I I recall, I I believe the the late great Bobby Hill saying that Phoenix is just a testament to man's arrogance against God. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) look, man, have fun this weekend. I'm going to holler at you uh, when you get back and we are going to talk about the games that we watched this weekend. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Can't wait. All right, guys, we appreciate y'all tuning in as always. And uh, like Des says, you know, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating, five-star review. Uh, If you want to type out a little snippet, we'd appreciate that too. So we love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Peace.